the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, May the 14th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on May 14, 1955, representatives from eight communist bloc countries, including the Soviet Union, they signed the Warsaw, Warsaw Pact in Poland. That was, of course, dissolved in 1991. Today in 1787, delegates began gathering at the State House in Philadelphia. They were there to draw up the United States Constitution. Convention, however, did not achieve a quorum of seven states. They had to wait until May 25th because people, not that they weren't interested, they were just traveling and they'd run into some delays. So they all got together on May 25th, but they started today in 1787. Today in 1804, the Lewis and Clark expedition, it set out to explore the Louisiana Territory as well as the Pacific Northwest. They left camp in what is present-day Hartford, Illinois. And today in 1897, Marconi sent the first communication by wireless telegraph. And today in 1897 as well, John Philip Sousa performed the first for the first time that march that we hear at football games sometimes and elsewhere, Stars and Stripes Forever. And he introduced it in Philadelphia, right where the Constitution was all put together. Today in 1948, the independent state of Israel was proclaimed in Tel Aviv by David Ben-Gurion. He became the first Prime Minister of Israel. U.S. President Harry S. Truman immediately recognized the new nation. And well, he should have. That was the fulfillment of a prophecy 3,000 years ago. In Amos chapter 9, verse 14, the Bible says, I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. Today in history with Israel is incredibly important. As hundreds packed into the tiny room in Tel Aviv in the art museum there, that's where they gathered, David Ben-Gurion stood up. He said, "Putting, placing our trust in the rock of Israel, we affix our signatures to this proclamation to declare the establishment of the Jewish state to be known as the State of Israel. In the 8th century B.C., Amos, a sheep herder, a fig farmer, kind of an orchardist, <laughs> in the Judean wilderness, he had declared God's promise. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. And in that small room in Tel Aviv, today in 1948, that prophecy came to pass. And there would be many more prophecies to unfold following the fulfillment 
of that prophecy. That prophecy goes on to say they will make gardens and eat fruit from them. Miraculously, though it was originally just large swaths of desert, there was nothing there in Israel. Israel now has become the breadbasket of the Middle East. But today, as we speak, Turkey is organizing or trying to organize the Soviet Union, China, and other countries, promising to bring world powers together to teach Israel a lesson because they are retaliating against the Palestinians when, in fact, they are protecting themselves from Hamas, who is embedded in the Palestinian area of the Middle East and shooting rockets at Israel. Interesting. That all started, it all came together today in 1948. Today in 1998, Frank Sinatra died. He was 82 years old in Los Angeles. Today in 2001, the Supreme Court ruled 8 to 0. Apparently somebody didn't show up or they abstained or something. But anyway, the vote was 8 to 0 that there is no no uh, exception in federal law for people to use marijuana for medical purposes. Have we not come a long way down since 2001? Now people are driving all over the place, particularly here in the Northwest, legally stoned out on pot. Just 20 years ago, the Supreme Court said that the Constitution doesn't allow that. There's nothing in federal law that people can use marijuana for medical purposes. Today in 2008, the Interior Department declared the polar bear a threatened species because of the loss of the Arctic sea ice. You know, there's there's a sense in our culture today of almost worshiping animals. Have you noticed that? I, I mean, I've mentioned it before, and I don't want to offend you. I mean, I don't mind offending people. I mean, if I'm speaking the truth of God's word, <clears throat> what I'm a about to say is the way I feel, and I think it's kind of lines up with God's word. But you see these people all the time. They're doing it in commercials, and, and you see them in stores when all, all over the place. They're always kissing their dog or kissing their cat on the mouth. Honest, and they're they're putting their tongue out, and they, I mean, it's that's creepy to me. And man, nobody loves. My dog, more than I do. I mean, I don't have one now. She went where dogs go when they die. But she got old. She couldn't walk. And I loved that dog. That's the last dog we had. It was a Labrador. Angie. (laughs) She was a white lab. Loved that dog, man. She just was with me. I'd go out on the patio, and she was right there. Put her head on my foot and go to sleep. But it seems to me it's just a little creepy. It just makes me feel weird when I see these people. I mean, you see them in commercials on television. But you see it in real life. I mean, people are always doing this. They're always kissing their pets. And it isn't like they hug them. I mean, they kiss them on the mouth. And I think, I don't know, maybe I'm, this is just me again. But it just seems to me that we have just gone off the rails in our almost worship 
of these animals, more so than our kids sometimes. And that seems to be consistent with the spirit of the age, at least in my opinion. I mean, God set a a different track for us, and we are to have a relationship with animals, with his creation, in fact. Genesis chapter 1 talks about that, and God said, let us, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, verse 27, the image of God created he him, male and female, he created them. He established the fact there's no gendered, you know, changes and transitions and all this kind of thing. He created male and female. But verse 28 says, And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And you know, the, in verse 28, I, I know this isn't Wednesday night Bible study, but I, let me just say this. The word dominion in verse 28 in Hebrew is kavish, it's K-A-V-A-S-H. And it means to subdue, have dominion. That's what God is saying here in verse 28. To subdue the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. I mean, it's a pretty strong word. And the, the, the noun form of kavish is kevish, which is K-E-V-E-S-H. And that is, it gives a picture in Hebrew. It gives a picture of putting your feet on a footstool and kind of sitting back and just putting your feet on a footstool. This is the picture that God is giving us about what our relationship with animals should be. And I know the Bible doesn't say you shouldn't kiss your dog on the mouth or your cat or whatever. But man, that's creepy. But I'll tell you, that leads somewhere that becomes impactful on our whole culture. Or maybe it's a result of where we've gone in our complete culture. Rachel Bale, she wrote a, an article. She wrote to Raquel Bale. She, she works for National Geographic. She's the animal executive editor for National Geographic magazine. She wrote an interesting article yesterday. It caught my attention. I just want to share a part of it with you because it makes the point that I'm making. She said, something I learned quickly when I started working, this National Geographic. Uh, she's their animals executive editor. Something I learned quickly when I started uh, working in wildlife journalism, people have thoughts about wolves, a lot of thoughts. They're one of the most polarizing species we report on. To some, they're majestic icons of North America's wilderness. To others, they're dangerous and crafty, preying on ranchers' cattle and killing off elk, a much-contested claim, she says. It's taken decades of dedicated work to bring back gray wolves to the lower 48 after they were nearly wiped out by hunters and ranchers by the turn of the 20th century. Today, she says, there are at least 6,000 and the species has been declared recovered by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And again, she says, also a much contested move. But now, she said, there's a new war on wolves, many uh, conservationists say, one that could threaten their survival once again. 
In Idaho, a new law allows for the killing of up to 90% of the state's gray wolves. In Montana, a sweet, this is National Geographic editor. In Montana, a suite of new bills and laws allows hunters to kill as many wolves as they want and expands the ways in which they can do it, including using methods that even some hunters say are unethical. And in February, Wisconsin hunters killed more than 200 wolves in just three days, far above the limit the state had set for its first wolf hunting season since Wisconsin's wolves had been removed from the endangered species list. The backstory of this, and I, I'm just going to take a moment on it, but it speaks to a much larger issue. The backstory is that President Trump, his administration, declared the wolves as okay, not endangered. And he said they are impacting ranchers across the northern part of the United States, from Washington State to Minnesota. And he said it's not supposed to work that way. I remember when he made the statement and he moved forward on it. That's what she's reacting to. And that's what the left is reacting to. And we've gotten to a place in our culture today. And I, I believe that when to the degree that man turns his back on God and God's word and God's truth, which is the only truth, it is to that degree that he begins to set his affections, mankind, on other things. We could call them idols, but we could also call them animals. And we get to a point where we, well, Paul told the Romans, where we worship the created, the creature, more than the creator. And that's where we are today. God created mankind in his image, his likeness, male and female, so that we could reflect the glory of God in our brokenness. And Christ could would redeem us from our sins, our fall, the fall of mankind. And to the degree that we do not embrace that relationship with God as individuals, it's reflected in many ways, but in our culture, as to what we really place importance on. And in this case, and there are many other cases, but in this case, we're, we're worshiping what we are supposed to have dominion over and to manage to the glory of God. But man is more important than wolves. And man's, man's earning their living, the ranchers, and whomever else. And there are many people, I mean an abundance of people, that are saying the polar bears are doing just fine. It was the National Geographic magazine that put out a picture of a sick polar bear sitting on a piece of ice here about, I don't know, it's been a few years ago, but recently they put out this picture and it's, you know, and, and, and they suggested that this is what's happening to our polar bears. And within just a week or so, the evidence was thankfully put forward and said, this is a picture of a certain polar bear who is known to be sick, been hanging around, some, wherever I don't remember all the details, but they said this is a well-known bear. He's sick. The bears in the polar region are not sick. Even even people that live there. Sarah Palin, former governor. She said, "Hey, I can see polar bears 
you know, from my house or whatever, as she could see Russia from her house, she said. She said they're doing just fine. Every, I mean, everybody that's up there that's, that's real said, no, the polar bears aren't in trouble. They're doing well. They're thriving. They're all over the place. But we try to make something that gives us a platform or gives us a place. We are so committed to worshiping the created rather than the creator. That isn't God's plan for humanity. And when we turn our backs on God and we try to strip him and cancel him out of our culture and out of our lives, we become crazy. And we go down these paths of destruction, whether it has to do with animals or whatever it has to do with. I mean, there's an abundance of different paths we take, but they all lead to the same place, to destruction. We worship animals. We worship ourselves. iPhones, selfies, has allowed us to express our true selves. We love ourselves. We can't get enough of ourselves. We sometimes get to the point in our own personal lives where we just we just look for the next picture that we can post on social media. We, we just can't get enough of it. It's about us. It's narcissism. It's a, it's a substitute. I'm not saying you shouldn't put pictures of yourself or your family on social media, but I will tell you there are other reasons probably not to do that, but we'll get into that one of these days soon because there's growing evidence of how very vulnerable we are in regards to the Internet and, you know, cyberware and all that kind of thing. But I'm simply saying... It's more of a spirit than it is an action. And when we lose our way and lose our, our tracking with God, that's when we, you know, kiss dogs on the mouth with our tongue out. That's weird. It really is. I want to talk to you a little bit today about, you don't agree? Well... Why don't you try petting your dog for a while and see how that feels? That feels great. I love to pet dogs, but I've never kissed a dog. And I will tell you, whatever you do, I'm not going to do it. I'll hug a dog if they don't bite, and I'll pet them. I'll scratch their ears if they're my dog, sitting by me on the patio, falling asleep while I scratch your ears. I love animals, but not more than God and his order of relationship that we're to have with animals. Critical race theory was once thought to be an obscure, a sub-discipline in academia for people to sit around in classrooms like Barack Obama at Harvard. They could sit around and theorize all this stuff. It didn't hurt anybody because it was just in a classroom. Oh, it hurt the people that were embracing these beliefs, but it wasn't having a real impact on the world yet. But now, this critical race theory is embedded throughout the fabric of our culture. And I want to talk to you in our remaining minutes today just a little bit about it. 
because there are at least four states now. One is Idaho, right here in the Northwest. I'll tell you who they are and what they're doing. At least four states are beginning to take legal steps against that being taught in public schools and anywhere that the legislature in these states has influence. They don't want that taught, and I I 100%, I'm not into banning books, but I 100% support what they're doing because this is satanic, and it is destructive for sure. But I want to say thank you to all of you who support this ministry. It's needed. Each month we need you to stand with us if you believe in what we're doing. And I want to thank you for it. If you're not supporting us, please consider it. Prayerfully consider it. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us, and you can contribute online. CRT holds that America is fundamentally racist, yet it teaches individuals to view every social interaction and person in terms of race, canceling the views of Martin Luther King Jr. But there are several states, as I said, that are taking up legislation that's going to ban it, creating a new kind of a front line in our culture war. I wanted to mention to you that tomorrow is Armed Forces Day. It's a day that's set aside to honor those who protect our nation. I don't know if President Biden will mention it or not. I suppose someone will remind him if he doesn't if he doesn't remember. But I think he's pretty supportive of the military. I don't know. But Armed Forces Day is celebrated on the third Saturday of May each year. It's to honor those who serve in the U.S. military. So I would just encourage you to say to someone, perhaps in your own family or someone close to you, someone that you know, say thank you. For your service. They deserve a thank you. At least a thank you. But this critical race theory is in our institutions. It's in our government-run education complex for sure that we call public education. It's even in some private schools. So the Republican-controlled legislature in several states now have taken up legislation that that will ban or at least limit the teaching of this critical race theory or CRT. T as it's referred to. CRT holds that America is fundamentally racist, yet teaches individuals to view to view every social interaction and every person in terms of race. Its adherents, those disciples of CRT, pursue anti-racism through the end of merit, objective truth, and the adoption of race-based policies. That's what Joe Biden is doing as president. Kamala Harris and all this gang he's got around him, boy, they're just cheering him on, pushing him further left. That's the very thing that Martin Luther King Jr. dreamed would someday end, judging people by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. I don't know what's the matter with these people. They claim to be supporters of the black movement, and everything they do with this critical race theory, and they're just trying to push it like it's it's God's word from Mount Sinai or something. Everything they do in this undermines everything that Martin Luther King Jr. stood for by his own words. This belief eliminates equality. It replaces it with equity thus changing the definition of freedom from equal opportunity to equal outcome. 
They don't care about the opportunity. They just want to force an equal outcome on everybody. Christopher Rufo, is, he's with the Discovery Institute, which is based in Seattle, as you probably know. He's done a great deal of research on this. He's been nationally published and is continuing to be. The Daily Caller has published a lot of his stuff. They've done a tremendous job on his work, and he's done a tremendous job on, on his research on this stuff. Very good. But North Carolina's largest school district held a, a conference just last year when they told teachers to disrupt whiteness by not letting parents stand in the way of social justice instruction in the classroom. Within months, the CRT materials began showing up in public school curriculum across the country. The materials being taught, it includes content from the writing of Ibram X. Kendi. And remember that, he's written a book, it's titled How to Be an Anti-Racist. Well, that sounds sort of benign or sort of a, like a good thing by, the, by the, the title, but you can't tell a book by its cover. And his teaching essentially is fundamentally the advancement of racism, and he says that only racism can become anti-racism and therefore solve all these racist problems. I don't know how you sort all that out, but that's what he's saying. And it's being embraced by educators, and it's being taught in public schools, along with this CRT materials. At its core, it's beyond racist. It's demonic, as far as I'm concerned. Idaho, the Republican Governor Brad Little, God bless him, and I know this program's heard in Idaho, he signed a bill into law on April 28th, just last month, that prohibits public schools and universities from introducing a curriculum that compels students to affirm, adopt, or adhere to ideas expressed in CRT instruction, making Idaho the first state to effectively prohibit teaching of critical race theory in public schools. There is opposition, even in conservative Idaho, but he did it, and it's done now. In Oklahoma, Rep uh, Republican Governor Kevin Stitt, he recently signed a bill into law that prohibits public schools, universities from teaching CRT on any or any race-based curriculum that causes dis discomfort, guilt, anguish, or psychological distress. And it all also uh, it prohibits schools from teaching that one race or sex is in inherently superior to another. Tennessee is following this same path. The General Assembly there, their legislature, passed a bill in early May this month that would prohibit public or charter schools from teaching CRT material and would withhold funding from institutions that teach about white privilege and similar topics. Governor Bill Lee is expected to sign the bill. It's on his desk now. He has said if it got to his desk, he would sign it. We'll see. Texas is the other of the four. Their state house passed a bill last Tuesday that would pro prohibit public schools from teaching CRT, and it mandates that educators cannot require or make part of a course a number of race-related concepts, including ideas that one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex, the same as um, Oklahoma has, has put in their bill. So there is a move, and it is moving toward a good place. Nobody that I know in the Christian community wants racism. But this critical race theory is racism in its worst and ugliest form. What is evil, we are calling good. It always ends up that way when a nation 
forgets God or when an individual forgets God. Thank you so much for being with me today and hopefully each day this week. Have a great weekend. I'll see you right here on Monday.